So one thing that you'll get to know about us and about me is sometimes when the Holy Spirit does a little detour, you take it. Because it's like, well, I have my plan, Lord, and I know what time we need to end, and I know what I had to say already that was not in the script, Lord. And funny enough, he doesn't care. (laughs) He says, no, take the detour. This is the direction I want you to go today. So I think it's just important that we follow those promptings because they're teachable moments. They're times where God actually, he teaches us. And, you know, there would be times that, um, and maybe we'll do uh, some messages on it, but even about worship, um, so much of worship, actually God tells us in the word how he likes to be worshiped. And you know what's funny is when I read scripture, it's very few times actually I don't know that there's any time where he says, worship me however you want. Whatever style's good for you, whatever you're feeling like today, you just, you just do your thing. And the scripture doesn't say that. He actually, it actually says things like, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. It says in another place to lift your hands in the sanctuary and call on his name. So God actually tells us, this is the way I like to be worshipped. So that's a lot of the reason why you'll see us do things like lift our hands, like clap, and do things like that, because that's how God says, I like to be worshipped. And when you worship God like he likes to be worshipped, he shows up. If we worship God like we want to worship him, he don't show up. And that's what we want. We want to worship God in such a way where he comes and he feels comfortable, and he feels honored, and he feels adored. That's what we want. And so that's why I appreciate Jeff and Angela, because that's their heart, and that's how we've been worshiping, and that's how we're leading. So I just encourage you to follow us into that. Did you bring a Bible? Y'all all good? You feel good? It's just us, so you can talk. I mean, we're just hanging out, and whoever's watching us online. But I really... um feel strong about this message this morning. I almost emailed everybody last night, but um, I feel real strong about this message because I feel like there are real keys in here for uh, many of us and we're in the places that we're at in life and that they actually could be keys to, to a breakthrough that puts us into the place that God's been wanting for us all along. And so I wanna just title this message, if I could, Remembering Between Here and there. Remembering between here and there. And I'm going to give you five things to remember between here and there. Five things to remember between here and there. And I usually have never, in all the times I've been speaking and doing messages, I really haven't lent towards doing this five points and three points. But I feel like it really breaks things down in a way that we can remember it. And then later in the week, you can refer back to it. So that's part of the reason why I'm wanting to do this. But Um, Before we get into what I want to talk about today, I want to just look back at last week in that scripture that we've been reading over several weeks. This Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So again, just to recap that this vision is not just some cool idea that you had that you dreamed up that you thought would really tickle your fancy, okay? This vision is a God vision for the vision, not a vision, the vision. What God showed you, what God's spoken to you is for an appointed time. In other words, 
that between the moment he speaks and the appointed time is that gap that we were talking about last week, that he's the God of the middle. And so I'm kind of staying in that same vein when I say between here and there. So here is the moment of wherever you find yourself. Maybe it's before that promise is fulfilled, that vision is fulfilled. That's where you are here. There is that appointed time. And so there are some keys, important things that you have to remember between where you are today and where God has for you. There is a gap. And that gap is usually where people get lost. They, get, they start to wander off. They get discouraged. They start to go to do their own thing. Because for whatever reason, sometimes we have in our mind that just because we start to follow the Lord, and he starts to speak to us, that we just arrive at the, like, we, we just arrive. And that there's no more hardships. There's no more struggle. There's no more discouragement. That all of that's in the past. Well, it's no. When you're on your way to what God has his vision set for you in that appointed time, there are challenges. In fact, we read last week that there is a testing that would happen. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, that he led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Everybody say test. Come on, say test. Test. To know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. So in the in-between, between here and there, there is testing. So actually, I hope that semi-encourages you so that you feel like, you know what, I'm not crazy because I feel tested. And I'm here to confirm to you, you're, it is true, you are in the test. You're in it. Congratulations. You're on question 10 of 50. Okay, so you have time. You have a little more questions to answer, right? But we're in that testing place between here and there. And I even know for our church in here, like we're in the middle. We're not there. We haven't arrived yet. There's much to do. There's much that God's put in your heart. There's much that God's put in our heart. But we can't allow discouragement to settle in just because we're not there yet. And so many people get discouraged because they're not there yet. And in fact, a bit unrelated to what I was preparing for this message, the last couple of days of our reading has been about Paul trying to get to Rome, okay? He was under arrest, but he appealed to Caesar, and so they said, okay, you'll go to Caesar. Well, I was as I was reading the, the, the scriptures and the, these two passages in Acts, um, I was really caught by the fact of how many kind of detours and sidetracks that Paul got thrown into because of wind and if you read chapter 27 and 28 you read that Paul gets on these boats and they get thrown off course and in fact they go into the middle of this really bad windstorm that really throws them off course causes their ship to tear apart and I don't read anywhere in scripture where Paul's like I give up I give up. I guess I wasn't supposed to go to Rome after all. I guess this wasn't really what God had asked me to do. I give up. We don't read that anywhere. He ended up at his destination. Did it take him extra time than he expected? Yes. Were there detours he did not expect? Yes. Did God even use some of those detours? Yes, he did. In fact, today, if you read your, the scripture that we're all reading today in Acts chapter 28, he ends up on this little island called Malta. And while he's there, 
there was the, the a head person there who was a notable person in that town or that island whose um, one of his relatives was sick, and Paul went and prayed for that relative. The relative was healed, and that opened up the whole island for the gospel. All of that because of a detour and a shipwreck. So I felt really encouraged because I'm like, Lord, I have been so concerned about the final destination that I didn't realize I can be confident even as wind blows, even as I feel off course, that you will get me to the end destination. It's going to happen. And so I just felt this real confidence that has risen up in me like we, in, in, in multiple areas of life, but I hope this encourages you too, you will end up in the end destination that God has appointed for you. It will happen. Today, you may feel blown off course. You may feel like you're on some remote island in Timbuktu when it comes to relative to God's plan and what he said would happen with you. You may feel like you are just in a different world. But I have good news. You will end up in the appointed place. You will end up in the appointed time. So don't be discouraged. So five things that I feel like you have to, and this is just from scripture. I pulled it right out of Deuteronomy in these chapters that surround Deuteronomy 8. Five things to remember between here and there. Number one, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Not who the devil says you are, not who the world says you are, not who your friends say you are. Remember who you really are. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Listen, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. You may say, well, this is talking about the Jewish people. I'm not Jewish. How does this relate to me? Well, Hebrews says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So when it, so how we got grafted in to this same kind of language and this same kind of identity was through Jesus Christ. So if you are in Christ, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you are the same heirs of this kind of language where God says you are a holy people. So between here and there, remember, you're not like everybody else. Holy means you're set apart. And we live in a world that wants to make you like everybody else. We want to, we want to level the playing field. We don't want anybody else to stick out to be better than or less than. We want everything to be plain and, and even plain. But I'm going to tell you that is unscriptural when it comes to God's people. You are not like everybody else. You are a holy people. You are set apart. So you, there, you are different. Now, you don't have to go around being arrogant and prideful and uh, annoying. <laughs> We've met, you've met some of those people who are like, you know, I'm a child of God, and you just, okay, tone it down. Like, we're good. Like, I know that, right? But inside, inside, though, we have to know who we are. And the devil loves to attack your identity. He loves to attack your identity. So he'll come at people, and he may have come at you sometimes, and come to the very core of who God said you were, to where all of a sudden you don't feel like you're holy. All of a sudden you don't feel like you're a special treasure to God or anybody. And, and the devil will just push you further and further and further down. One of the reasons why our culture has so much depression is because people do not know who they are. 
Yes, there are chemical imbalances, and yes, there are, there are some neurological things that play into this, but I'm going to tell you the number one reason why people are depressed and discouraged and, and uh, underneath this feeling of self, uh, lack of self-worth is because they don't know who they really are. They don't know who they really are. That when you are in Christ, you are holy people. You are set apart. So when we're in this city, we're not like everybody else. We're not under the same economic system. You say, well, we're all in America. We're all under the dollar. No, you are a different person. You are a part of God's kingdom. And I love this, that he says, you are special treasure. Listen, above all the peoples of the earth. That's where you are. Not that's where he wants you to be. That's where you are. You are above. This isn't an American gospel. This is this was written by Eastern writers. Okay, this says you are above all peoples on the face of the earth. That's what sets you apart. So when you come onto the scene, you are at a different level. And part of you, what you do when you shine light to other people around you is you are inviting them to come to that level. That is the beauty and the power and the strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ is it is available for all to come to this place. It is not our job to go to that place where it's like, no, no, we're not. We're all the same. We're all just the people of the earth. No, you're a special treasure above all peoples of the earth. That's what the Bible says. So number one, remember who you are. That might be a word for somebody today. Maybe you felt a little underneath life right now. Because your identity's been attacked. And God's like, no, no, remember who you are. You're holy. I called you. Number two, remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. Verse 9, just a couple verses down, says this, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Listen, therefore know that the Lord, your God, he is God. Remember whose you are. You don't belong to just some religion. Okay, if you turn on people who, you know, wax philosophies and they just wax eloquent and they're out there and they're just talking they just lump you into every other religion of the earth and that's just your belief no 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 we're not just a part of a religion we are in covenant and in relationship with the god we are in covenant and you are in covenant with the god that is a game changer this is not some religious speak this is truth this is truth. You follow the God. So if you get in the middle of between where God spoke to you first and where he told you to go, and you get in the middle and forget who you belong to, you're in trouble. And in fact, I'll give you an example in Scripture. In um, uh, Really, one of the commands of the Lord was he said, don't marry and don't specifically don't have children with people of other belief systems and people from other nations because he knew if you muddy the water with other beliefs, you're going to be disloyal and you're going to follow those other gods. 
And that's exactly what they did. They got in between. They were in the wilderness. They, they were in the, in the between. And they started to intermarry. And they started to have relationships. And it ticked God off. He was ticked. Why? Because he knew you're going to be disloyal to me. And you're not going to follow me. And you're going to follow these false gods. They're not even real. They basically would be like taking this podium and starting to worship it. Saying that it was some sort of deity. And God's like, how could you do that? It's because they forgot who's, who, who they belong to. They forgot. They forgot. They, their heart wandered off. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can relate that it's not that hard to forget. It's easy to judge the children of Israel and be like, how stupid, <laughs> right? It's easy to judge other religions out there to say, how could they worship you know, this thing or that thing? And yet we worship things all the time. They just look different in our society. We worship how many followers we have on social media like that's some sort of thing. We worship how many likes we get. We worship, you know, church attendance or we worship, you know, what our status is and how much money we have. And we, we, idolatry, we idolize a lot of things. Why do we do that? Because we forget. We forget. And so there's an encouragement here. And like, no, 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 don't forget. Remember. Remember whose you are. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. If you have a Bible that you mark stuff in, just underline it and say where it says you are mine. That's Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. You are mine. If you've never heard this before, I'm going to speak it to every person, including those online. If you've never heard this, I want you to hear this scripture as if God was saying it to you. You are mine. That's not a phrase of dominance. That's not a phrase of control. That is a, fra a phrase of adoption. That is the language of adoption. And let me just break this down with you. One of the, to me, one of the greatest things that somebody can do is adopt a child that's not their own and bring them into their family as if they were and love them as if they were and then eventually truly make them a part of their family. And yet that is exactly what God has done with each one of us. He has adopted you in. So when he says you are mine, he adopted you. It is not a power play. And if you have a tweaked theology, you'll read scripture sometimes like that as a controlling, harsh, manipulative God. And that is not the language, nor the tone, nor the voice of God. The voice of our God says, no, you are mine. In other words, you're not wandering off without anyone to look out for you. That's why the Bible likens God to a shepherd, right? A shepherd looks after his sheep and cares for them. So just as a shepherd would make sure that all the sheep were together, that no sheep had wandered off, that's God with us. He's saying, you know, you're part of my flock. You are mine. You're, 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 I, I, I identify with you. You identify with me. We're one. 
So when you're in the middle of life and it gets rough, sometimes you can feel like, where is God? It's, you need to remember, oh, no, no, he's here and I belong to him. He adopted me. I'm a part of that family now. That's a good word, right? There's a, there is a, a power of knowing that you belong to God. So that when you feel alone and you feel desperate and maybe you feel isolated, you can go to God who said, no, 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 you are mine. I, I adopted you in. I brought you in. Remember whose you are. Number three, remember where you came from. So I rehearsed this a little bit earlier when we talking about Thanksgiving and just giving thanks to God and just rehearsing that and rehearsing where you came from because we need to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 8 says this, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Remember where you came from. See, one of the things that God would constantly go back to the children of Israel and he would tell them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Who broke the back of Pharaoh. Like he would constantly tell them, hello, remember me? I'm the God who brought you out of that crazy slavery that you cried out for me to do. Well, why did God have to keep telling them that? Because they forgot. And today, in the moment, they're acting like God never done anything for them. Now, again, it's easy to throw it at them and be like, how could you do that? But have you ever been in the middle of a tough spot and acted like you didn't have a God? And you acted like God ain't done, ever done nothing for you? And, and your emotions and everything inside of you gets all topsy-turvy and all upside down? Because why? Because you forgot. But if all you could do is just stop at the moment and say, okay, God did this for me, he did this for me, he did this for me, he did this for me, so today I can be very confident he will be faithful to me today. He is not going to leave me high and dry. And sometimes you have to walk your soul through that. The soul is your mind, your will, and emotions, okay? Sometimes you have to walk your soul through and say, soul, you need to remember, remember Psalm, Psalm 103, Forget not all his benefits, or in other words, remember all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. So here's, here's how this practically breaks down. You get a diagnosis from the doctor, and you go home, and you start to flip your lid, right? You start to freak out. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How is this? How, what? And then you start to plan your funeral and you start to plan, you know, you start to Google. And if you've never noticed, all things on Google lead to cancer. So you just, you know, you have a headache and you Google it. Oh my gosh, I have a tumor. Like you just, you self-diagnose yourself to the grave, right? So that's, that is a funny, but a very simple example of how we can forget sometimes. Oh no, no, the same God who has healed me before, who has kept, kept my body before, who helped bring me out of sickness before. And if sometimes if what you need to do is go back to Scripture and see that he did it for all these people in Scriptures, for our own encouragement and for us to believe him for, that same God will do it for me today. Or maybe it's something financial. 
you know, we just went through buying a house, which by the way, no one warned me this was a stressful experience to buy a house and to build a house nonetheless. So I didn't realize, oh, this is like, I'm going to go through a roller coaster for several months. So there are moments within this process where you can forget, oh yeah, I have God. And God's going to work out the details and we're, we're going to be okay. Because you get all caught up into the emotion of it. But all I would have had to have done is to look back and say, wow, God provided for us here. God has provided for us here. God has worked out these details already, these details. So why am I sweating today's details? All I need to do is remember where I came from. Remember how he's been faithful to me before. Somebody, maybe you're facing something financial today as well. All you have to do is look backwards and see how God's been faithful to you. And that will show you he will continue and remain faithful to you. Just stick with him. Just stick with him. So number one, I said, remember who you are. Number two, remember whose you are. Number three, remember where you came from. Number four, remember where you are going. That you are not at the final destination yet. Have you ever gotten on a plane ride and when the, when the pilot gets on at the beginning and they say where you're headed, you just, your ears perk up just to make sure I'm on the right plane. Just making sure that this plane is headed because I don't want to be in that movie Home Alone, right? Or he's like checked out and he's headed to the wrong place, the wrong area or the wrong city. Um, I just want to make sure this plane is going to the destination. Um, we need to make sure we remember where we're headed. What did God say? What did he say about your life? And I'm going to tell you, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for a while and maybe you've even gone through a time of discouragement, Sometimes you have to sometimes you have to go way back to remember really where you're headed. Like what were things God spoke to you when you first met him? When he first started to talk to you about what he wanted to do with your life. Because those are probably the real real promises of God that were unfiltered they had no experience to kind of pull them back and rein them in and make them realistic. Come on, those are the things we do sometimes. It's like, well, as you follow the Lord, we get more realistic and less faith-filled. It's like, no, 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 that's opposite. <laughs> we ought to get more faith-filled and a little more cray-cray the more we follow the Lord. Why? Because so much of what God calls us to is outside of human capability and human ingenuity and human uh, uh, anything that our human hands can do. When God steps into the scene and talks to you about your future, it is going to feel crazy. No, it is. It's going to feel like, how is that ever going to happen? Remember when Abraham was promised a son, Isaac, right? And he and his wife were old. The Bible says his body was as good as dead. You fill in the blanks, okay? The Bible says his body was as good as dead. Nothing was working upstairs or downstairs. It just wasn't working. And the Bible says, no, you're going to have a son. Abraham says, how, how will I know this is going to happen? How can, and Mary asked when Jesus, or when God talked to her about Jesus, she said, how can this be for I've never known a man? So sometimes we have to realize when God speaks, it, you're going to have that feeling of how is this possible except for God. So when you get in the middle place, you have to remember where are you headed? Because if you're not careful, you'll edge back the true vision of what God said. 
you'll start to say, well, I mean, as, if we could make it to that place, I mean, that's better than where we were. In fact, the Bible even accounts for that when he's talking about the children of Israel. So the children of Israel were made up of 12 tribes, right? So they're headed over and they're on their way to the promised land and they find some land on one side of the Jordan. Not the, not the side that they were headed, but on one side of the... And two and a half of the tribes of Israel said, we're good here. This, this is good for us. We're, we're fine with this. And they got ticked. Moses got ticked at them. And said, no, you know, I mean, he's done all this. God's done all this work. Moses done all this work to get you to this point, And you're not going to cross the river. But here's the deal. God made a deal with them and said, and, and allowed Moses to make a deal with them to say, well, as long as your men will go over and help the rest of the children of Israel take the land that they're supposed to have, you can settle on this side of the Jordan. So many people edge back the true promise, the true fullness of what God has for them just because it's more comfortable here. Like, I'm good. Sometimes we'll justify it and we'll rationalize it. It's like, you know, I'm good here. I, I you know, I'm, I'm fine. And, and internally, you'll feel peace. You'll be so deceived, like, this is good, this is good. And yet, it's not the fullness of what God really said. So you have to keep it fire, like white fire hot in your soul of where God said you were going to go. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 and 9 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, hills a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig, fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. It sounds like Wegmans to me, but okay. <laughs> it's pomegranates, wheat, barley, vines, figs. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. See, now this would mean very little to us because, you know, I jokingly said it, but we can go to the grocery store and get all of these things. But to them who just came out of the deserted wilderness, Egyptian uh, deserted place, this is heaven. This is I mean, unbelievable almost. And God is painting the picture for them in detail, saying when you come into this good land, there will be brooks of water, fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. I mean, they're, they have never seen this before. The people who he's talking about have never seen this before. And God is painting a picture of a place to take them that they've never been before. And that's internally how I feel even about the ministry here. It's like I feel like we're headed to a place I've never been before. You've never been before. And yet we're supposed to go there. And now I'm not talking physically so nobody trip out, okay? But I mean in effectiveness, in the types of ministry that we house, in the who comes into the ministry. Like right now, all we've been doing is just plowing the ground with you all and connecting our hearts and opening the door to say this is what God wants us to do this is how we're going to operate this is what we're going to believe it's almost like a team meeting okay and yet God's going to be painting pictures to say no this place that you're going to is going to look like this and so as you get in the middle keep that vision because that's vision right there white hot 
Don't back off of it. Don't back off of it. Don't say, well, I mean, you know, as long as there's some water, as long as we have an apple tree, I mean, we don't really need pomegranates, but if we have apples, that's good enough for us, right? No, we need to go fully in all of what God says. Remember where you're going. Last one. Last one, number five. Remember to thank God when you get there. Remember to thank God when you get there. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10 says, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. So he says, when you get into that land and you eat all them pomegranates and you eat all them figs and you have olive oil and all that stuff that you like, and you're full, bless the Lord for the land which he has given you. For the land which he has given you. For the land which he has given you. So when we get there, remember to thank God. Now this isn't just about the ministry. This is in your own life. When God breaks through and gives you something that you've been praying for, stop and thank him for it. My wife did this for us this week, right? On the way back from closing on our house, she blasted on some music in our car and we just had like a little praise break. Thanking God because we had something that we've never done in our life before he just gave to us. And something that we thought was going to take us several years to accomplish now happened. And it wasn't just about, oh, well, we moved and it's cheaper housing. It's like, no, we didn't have all that we needed, even down payment all, except for God broke some things loose. That had nothing to do with the church here or any of y'all. This is just some things where God did some stunning stuff in a very short amount of time. And we had what we needed. And so it was it was it was appropriate to stop and tell God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So when you get to that place where you know this is this is maybe one part of at least what God's promised to us, stop and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you're married, grab hands with your spouse and say, thank you. Or if you're just by yourself in the car, then rip it, right? <laughs> Let that person driving next to you think you're crazy. But just open your mouth and just begin to thank him. So those are the five things. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember where you came from. Remember where you are going. And remember to thank God when you get there. That's good, huh? I'm feeling encouraged by it. <laughs> because I know how my flesh wanders from these truths. And yet I feel like the Lord is giving us keys to say, no, 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 no. This is how you win. This is how you win. This is how you win. And I'm going to pray something as we close. I'm going to pray that God stir up those old dreams that are truly from him, that have kind of been discouraged or pushed down or maybe even forgotten, that God stirs those up again and that you re-engage this process. You re-engage in the promise of God and that you won't give up on them. So let me pray for you right where you're at. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all the truths just from the little bit that we read today that we were able to get out of this of how to remember who we are. Thank you that you adopted us, Lord. You brought us into your family. Oh, Lord, thank you for just the reminder to remember where we came from. That we're not here just because we're goody-goody two-shoes, but 
Oh, Lord, we're here because of your grace and mercy and because you delivered us out of some things. And Lord, I pray that every person here would have dreams that are bigger than things that they can accomplish on their own. God dreams. God visions. In fact, Lord, I pray that even as it happens in Scripture where you give visions and you drop literal pictures into people's hearts, that you would do that. Give dreams, Lord, even in the nighttime where there would be dreams that paint the pictures of things that you want us to believe for, of promises that you're making to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We will remember. In fact, why don't you just say this? Say, I will remember. Come on, say it again. I will remember. I will remember who I am. I will remember who I belong to. Come on, let's say it out loud. I will remember who I belong to. I will remember where I came from. I will remember where I am going. I will remember to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet.